Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am standing in an alleyway with the one and only Dan Deacon. Please say hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, Dan Deacon. Now, I wanted to do this interview in your bus, mm-hmm. but we can't because... Uh, my sound technician, uh, Albert Schatz, is sleeping. I don't want to wake him up. How about you give him an up by telling him how important he is to you in this interview? Well, I really can't imagine doing the show without Al. It's like an old-style school bus. I'd love you to describe it so people get what I'm talking about. Sure. Well, it's a, it's an old school bus, 100%, uh, that we gutted and took all of the seats and everything out. Um, built in new beds, installed a kitchen, some couches, um, a lot of storage units. Um, the main thing with touring is trying to figure out the minimum amount of stuff you're going to need and the maximum amount of stuff you're going to want to carry in every night. And because you, know, you never want to have too much stuff, but nothing's worse than like, why didn't we bring a can opener? So we cook all our meals communally. Um, we eat all our meals together. And it's not because, you know, one of the worst parts, I used to be like fit is the wrong word, but. I was in decent shape before I started touring. And then you just start like eating at gas stations and then like you'll show up and you'll be starving and they'll be like, oh, there's pizza around the corner. And they'll be like, just, it could literally be just like lard covered in chocolate. I will eat anything right now. So trying to eat healthy. uh, And when you cook your own food, you obviously know what you're putting into it. And um, I think the healthier you eat while traveling, the better your whole mindset is gonna be. I think that it's time to play a Dan Deacon track. Guess what track I'm going to choose? I'll go with Feel the Lightning. I have a feeling that that's what it's going to be. How would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about this song? I guess I wrote the hook right after the last Wartscape, which was a festival I used to book in Baltimore. So that was in 2010, a long time ago. And I was doing this residency in the Netherlands, and it wasn't really going as planned. And I just kept thinking about how... Bartscape was over and I really loved doing it and I didn't want to go back and ever do it again but I missed it. Do you know what I mean? Kind of like the way like you can get out of like a terrible relationship and like know it was the right thing to do but still like miss it. Do you know what I mean? It just sort of felt like that and I think that's what the, the, the main hook was inspired by and I think that sort of just shifted into like regret's the wrong word and I feel like there's got to be another language or another culture that has more words for regret without like a negative connotation where it's like I'm glad this is over I'm happy it happened. I would never do it again. I feel like that's a lot of instances in my life. But guys, you're not going to regret listening to Feel the Lightning. <laughs> we'll be back in a bit.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Feel the Lightning off Dan Deacon's new record. I'm going to let him pronounce this record title. It's called Gliss Riffer. Off the record Gliss Riffer. Dan Deacon, I'd love you to talk about writing or creating this track. I just have to say, this is the sassiest interview I've ever done, and I'm really appreciative of it, and I'm, I can't thank you enough. Uh, right now, I am blushing. <laughs> this should really be a video podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> um, musically, I was working on it in the back of the van in Europe. We were touring Europe, and I was just sort of just like messing around in Ableton, and then I was like, oh, this could be a song. I could f- finish this song. And I think that's like what anyone does when they make computer music, is they'll just like riff on a computer and be like, oh, this is garbage, this is garbage, this is garbage. And then every, like, one out of every million songs you work on, is like, oh, I should work on this more. This isn't just me, like, wishing I could check my email. What email are you looking forward to receiving? Oh, I never want to receive an email. I, I hate email. I think it's the worst form of communication. I would just love to see it eradicated off the planet. All right, that's a very final answer. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Gliss Riffer, my friend, is convinced... That album title is a drug reference. Let me know. What is this about? What kind of drug reference do they think it is? That's crazy. I didn't ask. Interesting. Well, gliss is a music term that's short for glissando, which is the Italian word to slide. So like when someone like slides their hands up and down a keyboard or like a trombone is probably like the instrument most people would associate with a gliss, like that. And a riffer is one who plays sick riffs. You said that while making this record, Gliss Riffer, you wanted to find out why making music is fun for you. What did you find? Uh, I don't know if I found it yet, and I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to make it make my fun formulaic and know why I enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? I think it's it's important to recognize when something's fun, but maybe not to fully understand why. The same way why you never want to, like, in regards to, like, loving something be like well what are the five reasons i love this you just want to you know and you want to make sure that you can appreciate it but i don't think it's not it's not a puzzle to solve dan deacon gliss riffer is your fourth record i'm gonna list your previous three records Mm -hmm. and i'd love you to tell me one thing about each of those records that taught you more about what you do so we're gonna start off with the record that some say made you Spider-Man of the Rings. I think it taught me, uh, well, I guess thinking about it now in my current self, not my past self, I made that record without any consequence. I was just like, I'll make this and then no one will hear it. And it wasn't like a no one will hear it in a negative way. It was like, I didn't think anyone would ever hear it. And so I made it with a complete different set of freedoms and the, the, the privilege of just being like, this is just for fun. Do you know what I mean? And I forgot about that process because Bromps in America had a lot of like, oh God, if I don't, if I don't finish, if this doesn't come out well, like I'm doomed. Where I didn't feel that with uh, Spider-Man of the Rings. And I tried to apply that to Gliss Riffer midway through the process when I realized what I was doing. And I went back and I listened to Spider-Man and I was like, this record's fucking terrible. I shouldn't cuss. This record is production-wise like a terrible, terrible record. <laughs> um, but I didn't care, and uh, and I think that's what brought it to a level that people liked about it, not because they were like, oh, the sounds and the production, it was just that like, it had a carefree nature to it, and I wanted to make sure that I could reachieve that. So the second record was called Bromst. I think Bromst was the first time I had a real opportunity to experiment with recorded sound. Up until that point, I was really limited to like 
the worst PAs you can imagine. It's fun to like tell the story while I'm watching a dog piss. Um, the worst PAs and just trying to make as much sound as possible out of those PA systems. So after the success of Spider-Man, I started having the opportunity of fidelity. and I'd never had anything like that before. So I started thinking like, well, why would I use like a fake vibraphone when I could use a real one? And that's when I really started thinking about the limitless nature of the recording arts. Your third record was called America. America was when I was maybe went a little too wild on the production. I was like, every sound will be whatever I want. We'll build a special room of of no reverberation, basically a nice anabolic chamber of dead zone. No, this is my impersonation of me. This is how I sound in my own head. I sound nothing like this at all, as you can tell by the rest of the interview. But I just really wanted to focus on acoustic sounds and treating acoustic sounds as if they were synthetic sounds. I think that it is time to play another track. I'm gonna play a track off the first record, Spider-Man of the Rings. Guess what track I'm gonna play? Are you playing the Crystal Cat? Yes! I had a feeling. Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the Crystal Cat off Dan Deacon's record, Spider-Man of the Rings. Wow, we're in an alley. There's so much happening here. Dog walking, Corvettes trying to, what's the word for it? Peel out. A Corvette is trying to peel out. It's not working, which is a shame because he has a really nice Corvette. Anyways, Dan Deacon, 
Crystal Cat, I'd love you to say a few words about this track. Well, I wrote the track in my, I used to live in this warehouse space in Baltimore called the Copycat, uh, and our house was called Wham City. And um, I was listening to this band OOIOO a lot, and I just really fell in love with this one track, um, or this one album. Um, I just kept listening to it again and again and again, and I kept trying to write anything that sounded like it, and I completely and utterly failed. But it led to the Crystal Cat, and it was the first song that I, I remember playing it live at this club in Baltimore called The Talking Head, and like afterwards I heard uh, these two kids that had been to a lot of shows go like, Dan's getting serious. And I was like, oh, I can't tell this is a good thing or a bad thing. Dan Deacon, looking back at the guy who wrote that song and made the record, what do you love about him the most? Uh, he was very health conscious and exercised. And he's dead now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe one day he'll come back and kill the person who killed him. But uh, not, not, for, not for a long time. Dan Deacon, your live shows are always special because of the way you get your audience to participate. How much thought goes into that? Well, hopefully none. Uh, you want it to be real spur of the moment when you're improvising with an audience. I like... Dan Deacon, I've been to a couple of your shows, and there is some forethought. There, well, if something works, I'll do it again. But in the creation of a, a new audience participation piece, I do like it to be off the cuff. Whenever I try to like sit down, I'm like, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this. It'd be like I might as well be trying to like bake a cake with an audience. Be like, all right, let's get some eggs. All right, let's get. It just doesn't work. It has to kind of be right off the mind, see how it goes, how other people interpret it, where they bring it. And then if it works, you try it again, and then you refine it, if that makes any sense. But most of the refining process is the audience itself. It makes a lot of sense, but so radio listeners understand what we're talking about and get incentive to come see a Dan Deacon show. Please describe one scenario where you get the audience involved. I try to shift the focus of the show from the stage to the crowd. And a performer often thinks about the audience as one group, the audience. But audience members don't think about themselves that way because they're not, they're individuals in a crowd. And I like the dynamic of shifting a group of people that are eyes to we's, to they's, to us. And the way you do that is by putting choice into the audience. You choose to participate, you choose to not participate. When a group of people are doing something together, they're doing it together, they're not just passively watching. And I like that, I think it shifts the focus. So I do a lot of stuff where I'll be the catalyst who's like, let's create a circle, let's pick someone to do something. When you're done, you pick the next person. And then I like it because there's a lot of room for failure. And failure is the only thing where if you can't fail, then it's not an experiment. And if you're not experimenting, a lot of times it's not very exciting. You know what I mean? I think it's exciting to go to, like, I, I think people like live TV for when they screw up. Do you know what I mean? I think that's one of the most exciting parts is seeing where failure can emerge. Dan Deacon, that is incredibly gutsy, considering you do this every night. Well, you obviously want it to work, but you learn from the failures, and you learn from the mistakes, and you learn how to do something different by when it doesn't uh, achieve the goal you were expecting. Let's say that you're four records into your career. That's going to be at least eight tours, at least. One noisy crow who I'm nervous is going yeah, yeah, uh, to go to the bathroom on me, so I'm going to move a little bit. But when you do this as what you do for a living, do you ever feel the need to one-up yourself or... Oh, constantly. And I feel like it's a... This crow is amazing. 
Now we got some geese in the mix. This is getting better and better. A little, uh, little bird symphony over here. What do y'all call these geese? Canadian geese. Uh, you know, sometimes like we call them Canadian geese down uh, below the border, but I uh, wasn't sure if you're like, we call them geese. In Canada, we call them American hobos. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Dan Deacon, I think that it's time to play another Dan Deacon track. It's a deal. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to play Learning to Relax. Ooh. And I heard that this track was inspired by Bill Murray. Uh, it was. The title and um, the finalization of it were inspired by an interview I saw with Bill Murray where he was just talking about you're the best at what you do when you're very relaxed and you'll always do it better when you're relaxed. And it kind of like blew my mind because at that point in my life I was like, I need to basically be like running out of a burning building to try to like save it and build it at the same time. Uh, and then I realized that was foolish. That's kind of why I hate email, too. Because you're never relaxed while you answer email? Yeah, I feel like email is like you write an email and then you immediately get another one. And it's like, when will this end? Can you just call me? Like, one phone call is like 25 emails. Dan Deacon, I will never stop emailing you. That's fine. I will, I, but I, I, just, I check my email about once every couple of days now, and it's great. That explains why you're so slow to respond to all the jokes I send you. <laughs> So yeah, I laugh when I hear them in person. We just need to hang out more. Text me. Hello, this is Dan Deacon, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Learning to Relax off Dan Deacon's latest record, Gliss Riffer. I've got Dan Deacon with me in this bird-filled alley. I would love it if you could talk a bit about this track. <laughs> I think I could talk about the alley. Um, well, I started the track in Los Angeles. I remember because the working title was L.A., I had like 80 different versions of the song. It was driving me crazy. And then luckily I saw that Bill Murray interview and I was like, oh, all right, I'll do this one. This is the one I think I like the best. Why am I worrying about it? Because I had option paralysis. I was just like, oh, should I use this? Should I use that? Should I use these lyrics with this melody? Should I use this melody with those lyrics? Dan Deacon, I'm a fan, but as a guy who does a radio show, I have a bit of a bone to pick with you because this song is six minutes and 45 seconds long. It used to be nine minutes and I edited as much as possible. But, um, and I, I did try, a, there is a radio edit out there, but I think it just cuts the second half. But the second half to me is so important to the song. I've listened to all your records and they all, most of them have at least one or two or three really long songs. Mm-hmm. So tell me what's going on. Well, I think when you're working outside of like a regular song format, but still writing like stuff that's rooted in rhythm and pop music, it's hard to not have long form songs like if you're writing like you know abc pop songs it's easy to keep them under the four minute mark that radio requires but as soon as you deviate from that uh it it, the seconds add up very very quickly dan deacon thank you very much for sitting down and talking with me today at the end of the show i let the guest pick one of their own songs to play but the catch is of course they have to talk about it. So that means if you pick a long song, you have to talk for like two <laughs> minutes while it plays in the background. But if I pick a real short song, then we're all, then I'll, uh, I'm okay? Yes. All right, well, I'll go with a long, I, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Surprise Stephanie from Bromst. Cause I think it'll be a good uh, song to, to fade us out. And the intro's real mellow, so this won't conflict with a lot of stuff that's going on. But, um, and it's a song that I would really like to make a whole record based upon material like that, but I'm just too big of a coward. You have to explain that. Well, I mean, shy, you can be a very brave, shy person, uh, but uh, I just don't have the, 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 well, I think I'm getting there, the guts to make a record that I just, I, that I'm not thinking too much about. And I, and I go back and listen to old material like Surprise Stephanie and I'll re- realize that I wasn't thinking, I was just making. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes it's hard to like, when you're making something, again, to remove consequence and be like, where will this go? Will this serve purpose? If it doesn't serve purpose, why will I keep working on it? And I almost didn't put like Steely Blues or uh, Take It to the Max on the record because I could just see the reviews of being like, and then the album ended with these two songs that didn't make any sense on the record. I don't know why he did it. And then I started realizing like, that used to be the whole reason I made stuff was to confuse people who needed things to make sense. So I'd like to get back to being that person. What would it take to get your courage to a point where you will follow this impulse? I don't know, probably exercising and eating right. All right, I'm going to introduce you to my nutritionist. <laughs> oh, please do. Put them on the guest list tonight. Nice. We're going to listen to Surprise Stephanie off the record Brahms by Dan Deacon. Dan Deacon, thank you very much for being on my show. Anytime. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> 